Financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, part two of my two-part conversation with President Ronald Reagan's secret agent, the man who ended the Cold War without firing a single shot, Ambassador Lee Wanta, the $31.2 trillion man. Reagan always bragged about our fellow Americans. Where are they all? They're afraid to speak, afraid to understand. They've been dumped down. And I have not been dumbed down. I've been out in the field all my life. I'm not afraid to speak. I'm 76 in about a week or less. I'm not afraid to die for my country. This is not living. It's hell. And we're going to get worse and worse. We're not getting any better until we stand up for all of our fellow Americans. This podcast is supported by Paranormal Contractors, a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. If you have unwanted paranormal activity in your home or business, it's time to bring in the professionals. Call 1-866-724-0800. 1-866-724-0800. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to Christmas Eve. 
I wish you all the merriest, brightest, best Christmas ever. And please, reach out to those who might be feeling a little down and lonely this year. Let them know you're thinking of them and show them how much you care. I want to say hello to my little friend down in Colorado, Calum McAllister, who is among my biggest fans. Calum, Merry Christmas and God bless you. Calum had asked for a special Christmas theme uh, episode. That's coming up, Calum, in two days. Okay, so look for your show on Boxing Day. That's your show. All right, back to the $31.2 trillion man. And let me just recap. If you're not familiar with Ambassador Lee Wanta and his exploits, it's an incredible story. Uh, again, uh, Lee was under the Totten Doctrine, essentially drafted by President Reagan uh, to come up with a scheme to end the Cold War. Uh, to bring the Soviet Union uh, to its knees. And Ambassador Wanta did just that. He concocted a scheme involving a currency swap uh, that essentially drained the Soviet Union of any and all foreign capital. So they couldn't buy goods. You have to have foreign currency in order to buy, obviously, foreign goods. And without that, the Soviet Union just collapsed. Couldn't keep their, their army operating. Uh, and thus ended the Cold War. But in the meantime, Wanta had amassed this vast fortune, and he went on to uh, continue to amass a fortune with other financial uh, maneuvers, and to this date, with interest, the, the, uh, the amount is $31.2 trillion. Now, President Reagan had instructed Wanta to bring that money home to the United States and put it to good use for the American people, pay off the debt which now, of course, is sitting around $20 trillion. In addition, uh, Lee's idea was that that money would be put towards massive infrastructure programs like building high-speed rail systems, crisscrossing the United States, employing millions of people. And again, if this sounds like something ripped from the pages of an Ian Fleming novel, it's not. It is, he swears, all true. Let me now uh, welcome back Alon Gibby, editor of Wanta, Black Swan, White Hat, the autobiography of Lee Wanta, and also the CEO of Gibby Media Group, the producer of, as I mentioned, this new documentary, Eagle One to Wanta. Alon Gibby, welcome back. Thank you. Great to be here. I love Toronto. All right. And, of course, once again, Ambassador Lee Wanta, President Reagan's secret agent who masterminded this uh, way to financially take down the economy of the Soviet Union. So uh, let me uh, get back to you, Ambassador Wanta. And I'm pleased to be back. Thank you. So once you've amassed this huge fortune, and it's you have it sitting in accounts uh, in in you know very secure banks, and you're keeping track of these accounts with this promised software, at this and then you're thrown into this. We, let's let's start there. Let's revisit this your um, your incarceration on trumped-up charges in a, in a jail in Lucerne, Switzerland. Um, you've just paid Vince Foster, who, of course, is an aide in the Clinton White House uh, and, and Hillary Clinton's former law partner in Arkansas. He travels to Switzerland uh, asking on behalf of the Clintons for a donation, $250 million, uh, to the, um, the Clinton's Children Fund. The Children's Defense Fund, they call it. Yes, the Children's Defense. Is this part of the Clinton Foundation, this fund? I have no idea. Okay. So you write a check out of the goodness of your heart for 200 Oh, I issued through Credit Suisse financial and, and 
permits a depart value of $250 million. All right. If you deal with it after that, I have no clue. And then, now, is the, was that at all related? Um, was there any relationship to, to Vince Foster's arrival in Switzerland and then your your imprisonment on these trumped-up charges that stemmed from Wisconsin on um, you know on, unpaid property taxes or whatever that amount was for? Well, I would have believed so because as we were making a round between the mob in, it, in it, Italy, then taking the oath of office as an ambassador in Paris, where Elaine Juppie has a witness who was the foreign minister of France, and then we were headed back. My my interp- interpreter, Italian interp- interpreters, I know what they were talking about with Chief Judge uh, Pierre Luigi. We were scheduled to meet. Vince Foster in Geneva, but when we left Paris to come back to Switzerland, we stayed at the Hotel Ambassador to take in, you know, Lake Geneva and the lake and stuff like that. Erica Rufo, the Swiss, rather the Italian intelligence, was with me. My translator later from Toronto was with me, and I was there. So we went out for a couple of days and sightseeing, buying some stuff and shopping and stuff like that. Because I just came back with Erica of the Italian Secret Service and my translator later, who turned out accepted a job as the the ambassador of Somalia to Belgium. He liked it, and I felt it was fine. And I came back, and we had our paperwork. In fact, we entered Switzerland with our diplomatic passports because I was the ambassador to Switzerland. I established uh, Meritrust Swiss Society. I hired some very Swiss avocats, they call them. We moved in a lot of money, and moving a lot of money into Ameritrust Swiss Society, so I'd be able, as the ambassador, to rebuild and have an embassy in Switzerland. And then we decided that we wanted to, I was going to buy a home, a big mansion, a down payment and everything, with the the avocats. Vince Foster had called, and we knew we had to be in Geneva, but prior at the Hotel Ambassador, after we went out for a late dinner and sightseeing, Erica and my translator and myself, we went into the Hotel Ambassador, and the receptionist says, Mr. Ambassador, we have a message here from the White House. Oh, wow, okay, now it must be late or something. I was thinking it was Vince Foster. Yeah, I turned, I took the number, and we all went upstairs to our separate suites, and I says, give me a chance to make a pit stop and come on back, and we'll call the White House. We called the White House. Erica was there. My translator was there, and I was there, and I called Bill Clinton's private number at the White House that was given to me by the reception at the Hotel Ambassador, which the FBI has confirmed the call did come through, and I did call from the Hotel Ambassador, and the White House documents show that I did call. But when I called Bill Clinton, this guy picks up the phone at the White House and says, Mickey Lee Cantor, oh, I need, I'm supposed to return a call to Bill Clinton? Who's calling? Mickey Lee Cantor. I said, no, no, I'm Mickey Lee. Oh, you're a Lee. I'm a Lee, too. And we started talking. I'm a Lee, and he's a Lee. He says, what do you need? I said, I have a slip here. I'm in Switzerland to call Bill Clinton because here's the number, and I have you on the phone. So what do you need? Click. So I said, okay, drop dead. I didn't know what he wanted because it's Bill Clinton's number at the White House, and the FBI confirmed it. So we went on to Geneva, uh, to, uh, Geneva and Lausanne to meet Vince Foster. Vince Foster, on his American Express card, he had all of us including uh, Lorraine Fine of L.H. Fine, Johannesburg, South Africa. Okay, without getting into... her I, daughter, okay. both part of Mossad. 
because they knew we were going to be arresting if we could. Mark Rich, because Bill Sessions, the FBI director, told Bill Cates at Treasury in Nashville that I should arrange to pick him up. I had big charges against Mark Rich. So I said, okay, I'll get the French to help me with that. And we got a hold of John Pierre, the French intel, and we were going to pick up a scheme to invite him to the casinos in France because we wanted to his home. Okay, Lee, if I could just stop you there. Lee, if I, Lee, Lee, if I could stop you there because it's, it's, it's taking a little, um, longer than I anticipated. Just tell me about, tell me about your, um, incarceration in Switzerland. How long were you in jail for? All right, uh, Lee, I think you were having a little trouble hearing me. So I just, uh, I want to, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on, on all the, you know, the sort of the fine minutiae, but if you could, once you got out of the prison in Switzerland, and again, you mentioned that thanks to the efforts of Prime Minister uh, Itzhak Rabin from, from Israel, uh, he sort of s- forced the hands of the Swiss authorities. They released you. You land in New York, uh, but then they, they arrest you again. And this time they take you to a prison in Wisconsin, correct? Yeah, right. But the FBI wanted to know why I came here with two tips diplomatic passports and not an American passport because I gave it up already. Right. And how long were you in the um, the uh, the prison in Wisconsin? Oh, at least six years because they gave me a 22-year sentence for fail to pay a civil tax assessment that I didn't even live in Wisconsin of $14,000, which right. I had paid twice pre- previously through my attorneys as a nuisance. But it, but the the point of putting you in jail was to to force you to release the whereabouts of these accounts holding the money, correct? Absolutely. They gave me the L for a plea. I could leave if I go to all my banks with the with the big boys in Wisconsin. They would let me go at the end of the line. I'd be dead by that time. After Reagan, I know you say he never left office, but he when, never left office. Okay, but I'm going to use that term because I don't know how else to describe it. When when his term ended in in uh, in January of his 19 second term. His second term in January of 1989, and the the uh, his successor, illegitimate. I, I know you, you you say he was illegitimate, but President uh, Herbert Walker Bush, George Herbert Not Walker Bush. I understood. Um, are you now working under under Bush at this point, and then later Clinton? No, I would never work for Bush because Reagan told me to ignore him 100. percent He told you to ignore him. My mandate is the executive branch of the Reagan administration, oh. not the Reagan Bush administration. He was compelled and forced to take Bush because of the Republican Party. Right. They wanted uh, someone to keep an eye on this outsider, uh, Reagan, was concerned. Yeah, because they, they thought he was just an actor. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house 
or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files. And what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal. But if you want more, listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Now, um, is it the Bush gang and the, and the Clintons that are after this money? Or who else is involved in well, trying to... I think you got the Bush group, they got the cartel, you got the banks, you got the CIA, you got the Fed Reserve, which is not a bank, by the way. Where is this money? Is it all back in the U.S. Treasury? Well, the U.S. Treasury confirmed to me that I, they set up 10 accounts for me. They know exactly where all the money is, and uh, it's my impression they sucked it all back into 10 accounts at the U.S. Tre- Treasury, according to their officials. And that's subject to 35% taxes under Judge Lee ordered to me in the memorandum. And the 35%, keep in mind that $20 trillion we're there is... Twenty trillion. The people don't owe twenty trillion. That's all of its debt. If we, if the people owe two or three trillion, that's a lot of money, because a lot of that stuff is crapola. Right. The Fed Reserve gave all that money away as onerous debt, and they didn't have any money to give. There's no U.S. dollars out there. It's fiat currency. It's have no value. Might as well buy a monop- monopoly buy box and buy some bread at the store. After uh, Reagan retired into public life, he did not retire from okay. public life. He was told by Bush. Stay in California and shut your mouth and don't ever come back. And don't do any speeches or any conversations. All right. Bush flew all the way out to California to berate the hell out of him in front of the Secret Service. Now, Reagan's mind was, you know, obviously starting to fail. He had Alzheimer's. But did you have lengthy conversations when he returned to California? Did you have conversations with Reagan after? I just would miss Reagan and other people within the Reagan Library and the officials. Duke Blackwell was the director of the Reagan Library, who was all my files there, and they had a lot of calls from everybody, including John Roberts, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, to verify I was a mandated secret agent. And remember, in front of Judge Lee in Virginia, Jim Comey, the Deputy Attorney General for John Ascroft, testified to Judge Lee that I was a secret agent under the Tolton Doctrine. All right. Um, well, here I got the FBI director now, who used to be the number two out of John Ascroft that carried the water for John Ascroft, he checked himself in the hospital so, so Jim Comey could testify on my behalf with Judge Lee. I'm not sure who I want to ask this question to. Either of you can answer it, Lon or, or Lee. But, um, you know, you, you talked about there's a lot of misinformation out there about, on the Internet about you, uh, Lee, and um, and Lon mentioned this as well. Uh there are there are those people who are, who are looking at your credentials. For example, listed, uh, I, I believe you were on the board at the uh, the the publication um, uh, Veterans. Is it Veterans Today? I uh, I'm on the board editorial board. It's right in all the news releases. Right. I yeah. report to Gordy Duff, the chairman of Veterans Today. We use the Veterans Today for a lot of intelligence work in Austria and right. Europe. Right. And but some are taking uh, well. One unidentified who, who who remains anonymous is is looking at your credentials and saying, "Well, you couldn't have been th- this person that you claim to be." Did you want to? Did you want to? Your lawn take a few What's moments. What's your claim? What am I, the janitor at Veterans Today? What? <laughs> no, not not at your position at Veterans Today, but your your credentials. I think lawn um, lawn. Did you want to respond yeah, to that? I'd be happy to. Uh, usually, uh, what they. What they say is they um, they don't um, they usually say Lee wasn't an ambassador uh, and Lee was an ambassador from uh, an ambassador for Somalia to Canada 
and to uh, Switzerland. And they, if you want, you know, if you if you go to the uh, Eagle One to Want to, there's a there's uh, there's a document from the Supreme Court where Lee, uh, one of his cases, came before the Supreme Court. Why would the Supreme? Maybe you could answer that question, whoever it is. Why would the Supreme Court address Lee as Ambassador Lee Wanta and put his to Canada and to Switzerland and put his ambassador number on that document? Okay, that's that's a really good test right there. As well as two fed yeah. two federal judges and a magistrate in New York. So you don't the the, the U.S. Supreme Court isn't going to call somebody an ambassador if they're not an ambassador. Okay. So use that document as an example. That, that's what I'm, I'm saying. There's lots of documents, uh, other documents that substantiate Lee, who Lee is. They just don't want you to know about who Lee is because they've tried to erase every bit of information they possibly could on who Lee is because they're hoping that he would uh, either die in prison or figure, figure out a way to take him out later. Uh, they don't want this information out. All right. Um... I want to ask you about your, your work in the intelligence community, uh, Lee. You, you, um, you mentioned, it's in the book, about Osama bin Laden, and but he's identified as Tim Osman. That's his real name. Tim Osman. Tell and me about it. That's the CIA. That's his code name. Tim Osman. He ain't dead. Well, he's dead now, but he certainly didn't get killed some old man on the second floor, some attack. He died of uh, that blood deal in, in, in the hospital. In in the Middle East, the CIA was there interviewing him when he died. You know, they take your blood out or something. So Tim Osmond died of a blood disorder. Obama bin Laden's code name was Tim Osmond at the CIA. He died. Uh, when you well, they, they change your blood around? What do you call that, Lon? A transfusion. Trans well, you know, but some some of you come in there and they change your blood around. He didn't have that equipment. Dialysis. Was, it was dialysis. Yeah. And they recycle his blood or whatever they do. He was on dialysis. He was probably that's on that. dialysis. Yeah. Right. He died in the hospital. The real Obama bin Laden, codenamed Tim Osman. I met him at Ontario Airport with a lot of the guys regarding the old days. That's Ontario, uh, Los Angeles area. Ontario, California. Yeah. Right, right. In fact, we met him in Pakistan at the, at the, at the uh, bazaar. We bought 117 stingers back, paid cash for them things. Everybody knows that. In fact, George Shell screamed and hollered at me. He wanted those stingers to go to the main airport in Frankfurt, and I bought them into Austria. I don't want to trust the Secretary of State to give Gen, Gen, the Gen, General Namic stingers to God knows who. Let me ask you, let me get play some, uh, some name association here. Let me throw out some names and get your thoughts on, on, on them, uh, Lee. Vladimir Putin. Good man. And if you had I met him with the, dep the deputy mayor. In Leningrad, and he and I were renaming committee to rename it to St. Petersburg. I represent the United States on that board. He's being portrayed as, uh, you know, another Hitler. Uh, do you think the United States can, can trust and deal with Vladimir Putin? Yes, because he knows about the gender agreement of cooperation for peace between this, the Russian Federation and the United States. We violated that thing, and when Ukraine asked them for help, he was obligated under the General Agreement of Cooperation to help Ukraine from the coup d'etat from Victoria Nuland and the State Department. And you look at the people that are running Ukraine right now, they're running to the ground, and they're bankrupt. That was the coup d'etat. I don't care how you want to cut it. It was a wrong thing to do. They ha we have a gen general agreement to cooperate in peace, and we have violated because that was the previous administration. 
Give me a break. You don't run a country from administration to administration. We have laws. Uh, agreement. You know, in, on, the, in, on the website, Chapter 17, you could read about the general agreement, agreement of cooperation. And there's also a, uh, a, not the final copy, but one of the copies uh, that was uh, one of the drafts that's got the signatures on it, including Lee's. But uh, the point is that Lee's making is that, uh, you know, we, we have, haven't been keeping, our foreign policy has some serious uh, problems because we're not keeping our, our agreements. And that's at the root of the problem. Um, I don't think Lee saying that Putin's a perfect person. You know, I certainly don't think he is. But I think that uh, I think in this particular case, he's um, uh, he has good reason and some issues that that need to be addressed. That we that our foreign policy has been a, two, a double standard. Okay, we are not keeping our agreement. All right, um, uh, Donald Trump. Lee, your thoughts on Donald Trump? Too soon for me to tell because Trump sometimes I think is a circus barker because we know he's part of the establishment. He seems to be very good, but he's better if he would listen and listen to the questions and tell the whole truth. Because keep in mind, he has yet to say anything about the high-speed rail, two million jobs, uh, no taxpayers' offense, expense. He knows about the high-speed rail, two million jobs. That's a lot of jobs. Does he know about you? Certainly. Have you had conversations? Tell me he's talking about me. Have you had? He's, he's quoting some of the same things that's in our book. Have you or your people? I'll, I'll use that term. Your people have they had conversations with Trump's team? I know they're. Oh yes, that, that's no doubt about that. There's been you know some communication I, I know of you know and actually had one myself there, but uh, uh, we really don't um, get regular communication from them yet. But I, I believe we will. I think he's afraid to come out because we're talking too many jobs with high speed rail here. If if uh, Trump were to be elected president, um, do you think that he would do the right thing in terms of the uh, the thirty one point two trillion dollars? Absolutely, and the high speed rail. He would have no choice. He'd be boxed in. If he would lie to the new people that voted him in about the high speed rail and the odorous debt and all the things that we can do to to rebuild our country. They would impeach him within a week. All right. And uh, if his opponent, the presumptive nominee of the Democratic Party, Hillary Clinton, gets in, what are your thoughts? I don't think it's going to be an election because we just, she's been told there's six or seven counts around the tape table. One is section Title 18, Section 2071 or 2017. Lon knows the number. I don't. That if you mutilate what she did and it's she admitted it. 71, Title 18. Okay, 20771. And it's on our Twitter account, Eagle and Nuanta. Uh You can just click and it'll come up. And it's what, right there. That alone will take her off of the wishful list for being a candidate for the presidency. Well, what does that document say, in essence? Lon or Lee? Uh, that doc, well, they, I, if you like, I can call it and read it to you. It's not very long. No, just give me the but summary. It basically says if you mutilate, destroy, or, or uh, take any government property, which, which documents are government property, electronic documents, that you're, you're liable for that, as, and you, you can't run for office. I mean, it's, it's very clear. It's, it's, it, it, it basically says that, you know, you're a felon. Okay. All right. Here, I got it right here. 18 U.S. US Code 2071, concealment, removal, or mutilation gen, 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 generally. I still stutter a little bit. 
A, whoever willfully and lawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, operates, or destroys, or attempts to do so, or with the intent to do so, takes and carries away any record, proceeding, map, book, paper, document, or other thing, file or deposit with any clerk or officer of any court of the United States, or in any public office, or with any judicial or public officer of the United States, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than three years or both. B. Whoever, having the custody of any record, proceeding, map, book, document, paper, or other thing, willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, alterates, falsifies, or destroys the same, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned. Not more than three years or both. Okay, okay, let me stop you there. I mean, are we talking then about the uh, the email server? Right, it also says here, and shall forfeit his office and be disqualified from holding right. any office under the United States. Okay, and we're told there are something like 147 FBI agents who have been uh, on this case. Uh, yep. They have recommended an indictment, but that will lie with Loretta Lynch, the U.S. Attorney General. It shouldn't be, because she has an oath of office to serve the people, not the administration. Right, but we know how thing, these things work, and this is going to be a political football, and she's not going it to she's not going to football. indict. We have a U.S. Supreme Court, which is not the highest court of the land. Highest court of the land in the District of Columbia is the district is the District Court of Columbia. That's the highest court of the land, not the Supreme Court. That's a political or organ. Interesting. All right, so you you're saying it's possible that there will be an indictment before Hillary before the election? It's more possible we're going to have an election at all. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly syndicated radio program, The Conspiracy Show, why not consider becoming a supporter? Go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. That's right. We've changed the name of our Patreon page. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. And check out our three support tiers. The Truth Seeker tier the Whistleblower Tier, and the Star Chamber Tier. Donors can receive access to an exclusive monthly Google Hangout on air or a monthly live chat with me. You can also be eligible for a monthly draw and a chance to win Conspiracy Show and Conspiracy Unlimited merch. Patreon.com forward slash Strange Planet. Patreon.com forward slash Strange Planet. Your support is greatly appreciated. Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Or something like that. I'll ask Richard later. Back to my conversation with Ambassador Lee Wanta and his editor, Lon Gibby, recorded back in the summer of 2016. Let me ask you about uh, a recent, again, for those people listening who, who still think that this is just, you know, too incredible to believe. $31.2 trillion, 32, uh, $31.2 trillion that you um, amassed. Uh, it is. It has now been repatriated. It's sitting in the U.S. Treasury in 10 separate accounts. Um, but um, what is it going to take for that money to be released to you? Did you do you not have a, a, a recent court ruling talking about this? Yeah, Judge Lee and Judge Ellis. In fact, in front of Federal Judge Ellis, the the chief law, where the chief, what the hell was this guy? 
He was the chief, oh, the legal counsel of the Federal Reserve Bank in Richmond, testified in front of Judge Ellis, and and for the government was Assistant U.S. Attorney McClendon, McClendon, beautiful blonde, by the way, and myself. And he admitted that $4.5 trillion came into the Bank of America in Richmond, was forwarded to the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond, and and uh, the Treasury Sec- Secretary, Hank Paulson, told, gave him direct orders to send that money to U.S. Tre- Treasury in his name, and he would handle the distribution. I haven't seen a dime. And in the court... Hey, real bank. quick, uh, Rick. Yes. He, this money has not, you said, repatriated. You need to make sure that, I, that your viewing, listening audience understands that uh, it'll be repatriated when he pays his taxes. He hasn't been able to do that. Uh, true, but at ordered, least the money is in the United States. taxes by a judge. Uh, you know, by a district court judge. And, and in this court ruling, uh, this was a U.S. district court, right? right judge Virginia. Lee, in Virginia. Two powerful spike judges. Now, in these court documents, does it basically verify everything you're saying? Your name is mentioned, the trillion dollars are, are mentioned. All of this is in the court document. The court documents initially was the four and a half trillion sent from the Bank of China to the Bank of America, forward to the bank. This Federal Bank of Richmond and then on to Henry Paulson, U.S. Treasury, and he used that money to bail out, bail out the banks. And remember, the Federal Reserve is owned by all the banks. So the, the owners of the Federal Reserve tell them to send the money, and they send the money. And Congress but, had no right to send that money. Not at all. So, so your audience isn't confused, and it's describing the book. He got, he, Lee agreed to take $4.6 trillion in 2006. And they were going to be able to get the rest of his funds and do whatever they needed to do. Who, in installments. Going to go different directions. When that money arrived in his bank, it was immediately taken out. Okay. By whom? And, and Lee, Lee can answer that. The Federal Bank of Richmond took over the money when it went to the Bank of America because they didn't have enough insurance to cover that. And the bank, the Federal Bank of Richmond, the chief counsel testified in front of Judge T.E. Ellis. That the money did come in, his ambassador wanted did state, absolutely, but he was directed by the U.S. Treasury Secretary, Henry Paulson, to forward that money to the Treasury Department forthwith, in his name, Henry M. Paulson, Jr., Secretary of the Treasury. They took that money, went to Congress, and convinced Congress, let's bail out the banks, the people will suffer. With your well, money. silly, because they had no right to use my money. All right. I owe 35% taxes. On that money, I went to prison for 22 years for $14,000. I'd be in a grave for eternity under those rules. Lon, these people that are out there that want to get their hands on this money and prevent uh, it benefiting the U.S. taxpayer, uh, I'm guessing they would stop at nothing. So uh, have they thrown obstacles in your way in terms of, you know, completing this documentary? Well, um, my company uh, has been in business, you know, for 30 30- Seven years, and you know we have a lot of, of really good clients, international clients, and uh, fairly s- large corporations that we work with over the years. So we, we've been at this a long time. This is one project that we <laughs> that's very unique to us. I mean, we don't. It's not something we do every day. But yes, uh, I would say that, uh, that that this documentary has had. It's taken. Uh, we've been working on it for about two two and a half years now, and. Uh, it's been it's been sandbagged in many many ways, and at least book also was uh, hijacked. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of folks that don't want it out. But but fortunately, there's a lot of people that do. And uh, Lee, I could say that Lee has some some uh, high level people that definitely um, know who he is, 
and uh, they want this information out. So um, it's get, it's getting out, but it's not been. It's, it, this has been one of the most challenging projects I've ever I've ever had in my career. Well, this story should be, I mean, plastered all over the uh, the front pages of the the New York Times, the the Washington Times, Washington Post, etc. Uh, and yet we don't read about it. For example, again, if this if this court case. Um, talks about this four trillion dollars and 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 how this money is you know Lee Wanta is instructed to pay taxes on this money. It's being then you know ordered to, to be deposited in a particular uh, bank. This is all in a court document. I mean, yeah. why aren't there reporters there covering this story? I guess it's a bit of a rhetorical question, but well, there it is. you know, that's a. If you're asking me, I, I have my opinion, but uh, I believe that the, that the media is a, is basically a puppet media. Uh, our, the main um, media outlets, you know, uh, get a ton of money from both Democrats and Republican Party. It doesn't matter. Uh, the more conflict there is, the more money they get, because that's part of their plan is to confuse people and to get distract. And so they pay. They do stories all the time on on ridiculous created news things that are happening within our world in our country that uh, distract us, and they w- will not report. A lot of uh, valid news. That's why Donald Trump's so frustrated because he's been abused by that. Uh, they don't. A lot of them are not given fair time. And in p- this particular story is one that um, uh, you know that they should be reporting on because it involves uh, uh, the American people deserve to hear it. That's why it needs to be reported. So I'm, I'm just a small media company, but I I totally believe. In our country, and I believe I believe in the freedom and liberty, and I believe in a free press. I, 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 I that was my area of study in college, and I believe that media and journalism is is inherently good if they do uh, do it the way it's supposed to be done, and that is report the truth and not to be manipulated and bribed. But we have a, a media that's blackmailed and bribed, and payola. And they and they're getting a ton of money. It's like the Klondike for them right now. There's so much money being made uh, from both sides. It doesn't matter. Uh, they are still making money. It, 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 both of them. It doesn't matter what side it's coming from. They're getting plenty of money. Lee, you said there may not be an election. Well, there's two things there. We don't have a gov- government under our constitution, Definitely. and there probably won't yeah. be any election. Because the Democratic Party is the same two parties, and who counts the votes, and they farmed out all the county of the votes to very special endowed people. You have no safeguards, none. But you are hinting at the fact that there may not be an election this fall. That's correct. So what are you talking about, martial law? Well, they're pushing that all the time. We're close to World War III. We're bankrupt, and we shouldn't be bankrupt. It's fear factor. Everybody needs a boogeyman. As the puppet masters and the new world order that's establishing this fear factor, so people are going to panic, which is wrong. We, we are the, peop- the people. We don't need them to lead us into a hellhole. What are your thoughts on Bernie Sanders? Oh, I think he's too late to jump in there because he's a hell of a nice guy, but to take on these puppet masters and these cabals, cartels, that's going to be difficult for him to do. All right. So never let him be the boss. All right. So the money is sitting in these uh, U.S. Treasury accounts. Yeah. Uh, you had a court order to for you to pay taxes on that money, to release that money to you. That was defied. 
so, I mean, what, what more can be done at this point? How... Because they use my money to bail out the banks, and the banks won't bring it back. And the banks are insolvent now, so their dank sure ain't going to pay my bills. They're going to be forced to do something, but the banks will go bankrupt, and everybody collapses at the same time. But we could have rebuilt our country if they would have let me pay my taxes and build a high-speed rail. We would have had a hell of a good future. Well, so what's to be done at this point, Lee? What's, what? what's to be done? Yeah, how are you going to get that money? Is there any hope? Sure there's hope. There's always hope because they know the money's there. Everybody knows the money's there. All the senators know the money. The House of Representatives knows. Even Paul Ryan knows the money's there. Trump knows the money's there. Everybody knows the money's there. But you have to understand not everybody understands the proper legal procedures to release the funds so I can get to work. So what has to happen then? People got to wake up and ask questions. Tell the people in Congress. I talk to senators and congressmen all the time. Everybody knows the money's there, but nobody wants. Jack Lew says he's waiting for Obama. Obama says he's waiting for China. China says they're withdrawing their money from Wells Fargo because we lied to them. Whoever we is, I do not know. We got to get down to the basics and tell the truth. Then we have a great country. Reagan always bragged about our fellow Americans. Where are they all? They're afraid to speak, afraid to understand. They've been dumbed down, and I have not been dumbed down. I've been out in the field all my life. I'm not afraid to speak. I'm 76 in, a, in about a week or less. I'm not afraid to die for my country. This is not living because it's hell, and we're going to get worse and worse. We're not getting any better until we stand up for all of our fellow Americans. Uh, uh, two uh, prominent members of, of Reagan's administration, Paul Craig Roberts, who was Treasury. who was uh, Treasury as, as Assistant um, uh, uh, Secretary of the Treasury, and of course David Stockman, who was his budget director. He's a good man. He's a good accountant. Now, both of those, you know, appear regularly on the media to talk about, and, and they're very outspoken. Uh, could you get Paul Craig Roberts or David Stockman to 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 talk about you on the mainstream media? So I can't speak for them. Paul knows who I am, and so does Stock, Mr. Stockman. But remember, Paul Craig is very smart. He knows he's never been replaced under the Reagan administration. He writes the same stuff I write. The truth is still the truth. And I would trust Paul. Okay. Good man. But wouldn't it go a long way to convincing the American public, because they're regularly seen on, on the mainstream media, uh, for them to to alert Americans as to what's going on? I have no idea what their conscience is. I do not know. You know, it's interesting, uh, Richard, that, you know, we, we continually put out uh, Lee's, uh, you know, news releases to all of those folks, and they, it goes out to to all the major organizations and groups like that. Uh, they never respond, you know, and it's a, it's baffling to me because um, this information, you know, uh, if they would just look, if you just read the, read read the information and the backup documents, you'd say, well, this is this is important. This needs to be reported. It's disappointing that uh, nobody stepped up to the plate, and and maybe and maybe there's a there, there's there's reasons why they're not doing it. Uh, are you suggesting perhaps that Paul Craig Roberts and David Stockman are are fearful for their lives, their families' well, lives? Well, they still have to be careful. I mean, anybody that, uh, uh, you know, the problem is that everything is, you know, the toothpaste is out of the tube now, <laughs> so how do you put it all back in? It's just going to be very difficult uh, for people to, to stop this story because it's already out. It's been out. It's This, this uh, biography in its previous form, it was out a, a year or two ago, 
uh, it's, it was released a year in June. Um, people are reading it and they're checking out the uh, the uh, backup information on it, and so it, it's out there. So I don't see it being that risky. I mean, everybody just needs to get get help communicate, you know, get the message out. Lee, do you have any ears uh, on Capitol Hill? Any uh, standing? Uh, Representatives, senators that uh, know I talk about to you? senators all the time. A lot of them want me paid. Don't understand why they they wanted me to do the funny in Puerto Rico. That's still on limbo. I was trying to do in Greece, but the Greek prime minister made better deals with the banks, and now the European Union is going to collapse without Britain. And now the European Union Commission has now decided today to have a private army. What the hell is that all about? So you were asked by certain senators to use I, your money to bail out... I have a lot of sponsors when I was with the Reagan administration. You were asked to bail out Puerto Rico and Greece. Yeah, I wanted to do that. But first you got to get your hand on, the, on, on those trillions. I'll jump in there immediately. Yeah. I'm not afraid to work. I'm a worker all my life. Well, you know, what, I'm, what I'd like to ask your audience to do is listen to the recording of the former governor of Tennessee and also a state representative of uh, North Dakota... Listen, listen to that six minutes, and you ask yourself: Did they believe Lee had funds available? They were, they're, they're asking for uh, billions of dollars, so they obviously knew something. Um, well, with your permission, I, I'll, I, I, we didn't have time tonight, uh, but I will play. Uh, ec- can I play excerpts from that on my show sure. next week? Yeah, absolutely. All, all, all you want, but keep in mind the the other senator that's uh, right now chairman of a big committee. Asked me to throw in the 2,000 tons for leverage of gold. They know I got the gold. So essentially they're asking for a bribe? They, no, it's not a bribe. It's called a set-aside allocation. A set-aside allocation. Yes, it's more reasonable, which is illegal <laughs> under Section Title 18, Section 201A, B, and C. Even former public elected officials can't ask for that. It's illegal. And under RICO stat- statutes, it really is a good bite. But, see, they think they're all exempt because they're public officials. We don't have a government to represent us. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to tell you what's coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited. This segment, sponsored by The Horrible Movie Podcast, available at iTunes and thehorriblemoviepodcast.com. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. Coming up next, Jonathan Kahn, best-selling author of The Harbinger, reveals the real date of Christ's birth. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs> <laughs>